Could you share some of the most memorable moments from your favorite project? You know, I'm such a learner at heart that I think my favorite part of working on all these different projects was truly just seeing how each set is different. You know, everybody kind of glamorizes what it means to be an actor, but I think only 1% of actors live the way that we think. You know, the rest of us are working actors, meaning we're co-stars, we're guest stars, we're day players. And so we're the new kid in school every day. Welcome to Rain Magazine. In our podcast, I'm Noble Lorraine, founder and editor-in-chief. And Rain is about uncovering the next big names in fashion, culture, and technology. Our goal is to inspire millions worldwide. I am so excited to welcome Lisa Link today. She is a comedian, a producer, an actor. I don't know what she does not do. And she loves dogs. And she's going to go into all of those things with us today. Welcome, Lisa. Hi. It's Linky, L-I-N-K-E, Linky. The E is not silent. It's such a trick. Linky. Thank you so much for correcting me. I'm a big I'm big on names and pronouncing them correctly, so I appreciate that. Well, I get it. The E just seems like it's not there, but it is. (laughs) It's German, so it is definitely Linky. All right, cool. Lisa Linky, everyone. (laughs) So uh Lisa, you're also a podcaster, correct? Yes, I am. I was recently indoctrinated into the world of podcasting. um, And I have many friends who do podcasts and have listened to podcasts. Um, And then uh, my friend Misty Stinnett last year was like, do you like self-help books? And I said, oh, I hate them. And she said, perfect. I'm wanting to start a podcast about reviewing self-help books. So we started this podcast called Go Help Yourself. And each week we review a popular self-help book and sometimes not so popular. And it's a perfect blend of our perspectives because I'm too Midwestern. I don't like anybody telling me any anything. Don't tell me what to do. And she's wonderful. She's really brilliant at going in and like finding advice that works and leaving the rest. So it's a nice blend. So let me ask you, you don't like self-help books, but you're now reading self-help books. I mean, you're right. I'm consuming an ungodly amount of self-help books. I read two and a half a month and it's not healthy. I'll be honest with you. We've, we've talked about that on our podcast that like... There's the downside to consuming too much self-help. It's ta- it takes a toll, but it's interesting. There's the the market of self-help is like anywhere between 11 and 13 billion and they think that 70 to 80% of their market is women and there's really no distinguishing features of self-help, you know, like Excel for dummies is technically considered self-help. So it's just this huge market that's really kind of unregulated, I would say, because anybody can write a self-help book. And I don't see it going anywhere, by the way. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. No. I mean, trainers, like health books, fitness books, 
like the bullet journal is a self-help, like everything is self-help. And yeah, again, like you don't have to have any kind of qualifications to write one. (laughs) I am absolutely going to tune into your podcast. I am sure hearing your perspective is going to be hilarious. I'm checking do. We are two comedians. So there's definitely some lightheartedness in it. And, um, and also some just kind of nice moments as well, where we, you know, get vulnerable and talk about how this book impacted us. But, you know, I, I think that, it's kind of cool. We source it out for you. So you can listen to our podcast, our review. And if the book sounds cool, then you can spend money on it and time. And, or if you listen to our overview and you think it sounds terrible, congratulations. And you're welcome. We've saved you time and money. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, it sounds good. I am absolutely going to subscribe and check it out. Okay. Oh, Let- thanks. Let's let's take a step back a little bit. Let's go back to Chicago. Yes, uh, sweet home yeah. Chicago. Yeah, and your time there. I'm you're you're an actor and comedian and performer now, but it, this was not always the case. This wasn't sure. something you were doing in high school and as a theater major. Walk us down memory lane a little bit. Tell us about your background in business and <laughs> employment relations and consulting. The world before. I'd always performed in school, high school. And it's funny because my mom remembers asking me what I wanted to major in. And I said, well, I would want to major in theater, but actors don't make any money. (laughs) So I actually got my degree in sociology, which, as you know, makes a ton of money. And so I ended up going to grad school and getting my joint degree. I got an MBA and a master's in uh, human resources and industrial relations, which is, you know, so far away from where I am now, but it really offered me an opportunity. So I went to Chicago and started working for Deloitte and Touche in their human resources strategies group and their human capital department. That's where I started doing Second City at night and I became um, a better consultant overnight and just kind of like really expanded my improv and uh, got promoted to senior consultant and then promoted myself to full-time improviser and the the pay and benefits were terrible, but I loved it. So I've been full-time performing ever since. That was in the summer of 2001. So most people are scared to make that pivot. I mean, you were in corporate America, you were making good money, you had benefits, it was predictable. What was the catalyst that made you shift to performing full-time? Because you could have done it on the side and, and, and been completely content as some people do. What made you do that full-time shift? Yeah. And let's not be crazy. It was terrifying. Like it, it was, and rightly so, you know, to go from making an amazing, you know, salary to nothing. And truthfully, there are like half a dozen people in the world who make a living doing improv, just straight improv. You know, I think the catalyst was just that I was so unhappy and I knew that it wasn't the right thing for me to be doing. It was just not the right fit. I didn't want to be there a decade later, you know, doing the same thing. And I can't speak highly enough about Deloitte. That firm is amazing. It has amazing people. And when I told them what I was doing, they were nothing but supportive, you know? Um, So I think I was also surrounded by incredible people who saw that I was not your average consultant, you know, like (laughs) I enjoyed being the leprechaun at the St. Patty's day party much more than I did 
um, you know, cranking out numbers on a report. So yeah, you need to send some of those pictures of the laptop. They appear on Facebook every year. It's quite a joy. It's quite a joy. (laughs) Was there anyone during that time period that made you think twice about switching from corporate to the creative arts? Oh, I mean, everyone, (laughs) all of my friends were like, what are you doing? Of course, my family was like, are you sure what I, you know, but you know, I was relatively young and I had, you know, I'm incredibly privileged and in that I didn't have any student loans. So it was kind of a minor risk, you know, for me to take a year or two. And, and if it was a huge colossal failure and I hated it, I could always come back or, or find a different path. My, my education was really a, a privilege for me and that I could afford to take that time. So I acknowledge fully the benefit that I had and and that I was in a position that not many people are. You know, my graduate school was paid for through grants. That was lucky for me in my undergrad. I was very fortunate. My my parents paid for both of my brothers and my undergrad. So I, I, I kind of was in a perfect position to do it. Got it. Okay. So you decided to focus on honing your craft in Chicago for about a decade before going to LA. Yeah, a little more, a little more than a decade for sure. Who would say, okay, I want to act. And then they immediately go to LA. Tell me about your choice of staying local um, in a smaller market and working there. And then also what was that thing that said, okay, now it's time to head West. Yeah. So I specifically was focusing on improvisation. And for me, Chicago was the place to do it and study. And I got such an education at um, theaters there, Second City and Improv Olympic uh, and Annoyance and uh, performing places like the playground. I mean, like comedy sports, you know, by the end of my tenure there, I was doing eight shows a week at different theaters, you know? So like I really got my stage time and my, you know, working towards my 10,000 hours of (sighs) being in front of an audience and really kind of learning that, which is something you can't, you just kind of have to earn. And then I was kind of done with that. I had, I was doing that. I had peaked, you know, there were only a few theaters that really valued me for the talent that I knew I was. Um, and I knew I didn't have opportunities at others. I, uh, uh, I decided that I was going to move on out again. I think it was the same thing. I was like, I don't want to be here in 10 years. So I decided to move on out. And previously I was like, I don't want to move in LA. There's no way to make a living. But over the time that I had been improvising, so many Chicago improvisers had moved on out to LA and, and kind of made this beautiful community out here. So it, it wasn't as difficult. Tell me about successful people, the experiences leading up to getting that opportunity. So that's a web series. It's available on Amazon Prime. My friend Artie and Teresa, my friends, they wrote it and produced it. And I had met Artie at my acting school and done a couple projects with him. And he called me one day and said, I have this character for an episode of my series that I'm writing. And she's a terrible person. And I think you could really have fun with her. And I said, yes. Um, 
and it was super fun. And so I did one episode in season one and it was kind of a fan favorite. And so in season two, when he wrote that uh, season, he kind of brought her back for more episodes, which was super fun. It was great. Yeah. It was, I mean, when friends write something and invite you to be in it, it's always great. And then when they write more of it for you, that's just a dream. Yeah. That's another avenue I think uh, for creatives to think about getting into the business is, you know, through their, their personal network and those individuals. And I think nowadays, especially for anybody in in the entertainment side of the industry, creating your own content is just kind of a requirement. So there's kind of no way around that. (laughs) And, and so, you know, starting early and, and learning by doing is just, just part of the deal now. Oh, I like that, that advice. So, and you've been in some other really cool projects, Teachers, Blackish, Modern Family, on and on. Could you share some of the most memorable moments from your favorite projects? I've been really fortunate to be kind of steadily working the six years that I've been here. You know, my friends from Chicago, this group of very talented women that Katie did created teachers. And I was in their original web series in Chicago that they ended up selling into their pilot that got picked up into their series. So I was recurring on, on that. And that was always fun just to see your friends like kind of working and, you know, having, I mean, they're living the lightning strike of a dream and it was really fun. And just, I was so grateful that they invited me to be a part of it and fun to go on set and play with them. And, you know, I'm such a learner at heart that I think my favorite part of working on all these different projects was truly just seeing how each set is different. You know, everybody kind of glamorizes what it means to be an actor, but I think only 1% of actors live the way that we think, you know, the rest of us are working actors, meaning we're co-stars, we're guest stars, we're day players. And so we're the new kid in school every day. We show up on a set that is unfamiliar to us. We have to learn everybody's name. We don't know where anything is, you know? And so we're just kind of like learning a brand new job every day. The details of the job stay the same in terms of like hitting my marks and knowing where the camera is and that stuff. But the dialogue is always different. The tone of the show is always different. My coworkers are always different. The the actual location is always different. So it's kind of a nightmare in that sense. And if that doesn't thrill you, then this is not the job for you, you know? So I think in that sense, my consulting training was really beneficial because <laughs> that's what you do as a consultant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That definitely prepared you for this. And a good point. I, I, I don't know many, you know, I would say actors that bring up the quote unquote dark side. Of yeah, I, really. I'm kind of over this like smoke and mirrors of how delightful it is. You know, like I live in Hollywood and there's a housing crisis and in the whole state of California. And so many people go homeless every month because they can't pay their rent. Most people pay 25 to 30% of their rent. And a lot of people pay 50% of their income on rent in California. And it's crazy. So I want to disabuse people of the myth that it's all sunsets and beaches and surfing. Like it takes me 45 minutes to get to the ocean and there's no parking. So let's cool it. Let's cool it on that front. (laughs) And the reality sets in. Yeah. Oh, man. So you mentioned creating content is part of the game now. It's just a requirement. You've created some 
super successful projects, um, won a web series. Um, and actually, I, guess, I think they're both web series, right? You have Dog Moms uh-huh. and you have the, the web series called Rick and Len. Yes. Uh, Rick and Len fix blank in your house. You better believe it. Um, and Dog Moms is available on Amazon Prime as well. And Rick and Len I created with my good friend Robin Scott back in Chicago. That was the first web series I created. Learned so much. It's so fun. I still love it. It's a great web series. We play two handy men who are inept in every way possible. And we have a really great time. It's fun. It's funny. Um, we partnered with a uh, really smart director and DP, uh, Mike and Mark, and they brought it to life. And it was just a great lesson in collaborating and bringing vision to life while working with multiple people. And then out here with dog moms. Yeah. I was watching dance moms on lifetime and I absolutely hated myself for watching it. I don't know if you're familiar. Um, (laughs) Okay. So I was like, this is abuse. This is emotional abuse. But here I was every Tuesday tuning in to see what was going to happen next. So as a punishment to myself, I forced myself to produce a parody called dog mom in which I play Waggy Lee Miller and uh, I scream at, at dogs in costumes and it's really quite fun and delightful. Oh my gosh, when I read that I was like, I love her already. Oh my gosh. Oh, you have to watch it. And also one of the uh, original uh, dance moms has gotten in touch with me on Instagram and is like, this is fantastic. I have died laughing. Why wasn't I parodied? And I was like, I'm so sorry. We only had so much, so much room for so many dogs. Like it was crazy. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So what, what intrigued me as well when I was getting to know about your background was not only are you doing all of this content creation and the acting and the performing that you're doing, but you're still doing work that involves your college education off screen that I thought was fascinating. And I'd love to know how you balance the two. And if you could share more detail about what you're doing off screen as a way. The other reason I stayed in Chicago for so long was that I got involved working on the business side, the B2B side with second city. And I was a corporate workshop facilitator for their second city communications. Now second city works. And I traveled around the world teaching corporations, how to utilize improv skills. And, you know, that basically afforded my hobby of improv. (laughs) So I was able to use my education, my experience as a consultant and my uh, expertise in improv and performing to kind of have that niche and truth, truthfully be one of very few people with all three of those uh, in that in that role. So, um, you know, that, that money was good and it was flexible work and that allowed me to kind of continue performing. So that's part of the reason I stayed in Chicago as long as I did. Um, and then when I moved out here in LA, I continued for a little bit. And then now my acting has kind of taken over full time. So I've, I've let that go. I work very selectively now with some companies like Google and, and, and others. Um, but I, I do enjoy facilitation and I, I have been doing it for gosh, uh, <clears throat> almost two decades now as well. So it's really kind of, kind of nice, but it's not my true passion. So, um, but it does pay the rent sometimes. And for that, I am 
truly grateful. Yeah. So that's like, I guess if you were going to spin that into some words of advice for other rising talents, what would you say? I think there's been such a delineation between business and art for so long and that only a few people have successfully found a way to merge the two. And I just don't think that makes sense. I think that there's more art and science in everything that we do. You know, I was just on set yesterday and I was talking to this makeup artist and I was really asking her questions to kind of understand her job more. And their job is more art and science because each person's complexion is unique, whether they have oily skin or dry skin. And then depending on the tone of the scene and their character, like everything they approach is is a problem solving. So it isn't just art, it's art and science. And so I think that everybody's job is a little more art and science than I feel like in North America, we tend to label it either art or science, you know, like in science meaning business. So if we can find a way to blend the two, I think we have a lot more flexibility. So I've taken all my experience now and I do executive coaching with people. I have my expertise in storytelling. Um, And so when people need help presenting or if they're kind of, you know, up and coming in management and they either struggle with presenting or they struggle with delivering their message. That's something I can help them with. Truthfully, my education lends me a a lot of credibility where I think some others wouldn't, but you know, that was a trade-off that I made before I knew what I wanted to do. I I could have spent time in New York, you know, like pounding the streets of Broadway, trying to get an audition. And instead I was pounding my accounting book and failing at it because I I was terrible at accounting. So I think that if we can just be a little more broad in our thinking um, on every side, you know, I think if business can think a little bit more about performance and if performance can think a little bit more about business, we could really source from each other much more. Sounds like, uh, the creative entrepreneur. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) With all the amazing projects that you're involved in, think back to one moment, one memorable behind the scenes moment that you are not ever going to let go and share that with us. When I was on Modern Family, that episode, um, Chris Martin from Coldplay was also uh, guest starring and he was regaling the cast and the crew with, he was playing guitar in between scenes and we were all, I mean, he was just, he's just amazing. He's an incredible human being and he was so nice and so funny. And then he started playing the girl from Ipanema just started playing it. And one of the crew members was Brazilian and started singing it in Portuguese. And everybody was just like wrapped with attention. And it was so cool because not only did he facilitate it, but he made the other guy shine. And it was just like, oh, you're a true collaborator. You know what I mean? And it was really funny. It was it, it takes a special person to to realize when like you're the center of attention that, and that he doesn't need to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was really fun. We all, everybody was just like, it was a it was a really special day on set. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's very cool. Your background is so interesting to me. I would like one of the things I see a lot, or and I was an athlete once upon a time. Um, there's a lot of overlap with the skills of being a part of a team or training for a particular sport and business and creative entrepreneurship. If you were going to compare and relate what you do to sports, how would you do that? Hmm. 
well, we used to get the question a lot all the time when I was improvising and people would say, why do you rehearse if it's improvised? And we would say, well, just like a basketball team has practice, you know, they don't know how the game is going to go, but they need to practice anyway. Right. So, you know, we may have a structure, but we don't know what's going to happen in it. So I, I feel like there's that analogy. And then there's also just like the collaboration and the necessity of teamwork. You know, I've done improv for two decades and <laughs> I have never worked in a more collaborative situation than film and TV because there's just so many people that all have to be doing their job months before the day, months after the day, on the day, you know, and everybody kind of has to be functioning in their lane, doing their best, pitching in what needs to happen, anticipating, not stepping on anybody's toes. It's really, it's just a fascinating medium. And so I feel like on, on, on sports in that sense too, you know, you can tell when a team is kind of clicking along and you can tell when they're struggling and, I, you can sense that. I think, I think any human being can kind of sense that if they start to pay attention, if you're in a restaurant and they're having a bad day, you can sense it. <laughs> that team is not functioning. Yeah. And for viewers, you know, they, they see the finished product, but they don't have insight into what you were describing in terms of all the collaboration that has to happen to create the best work. And so I, I like how you brought that to the forefront. And along that same vein, what traits do you think are most needed? If you were going to list three, for example, to be successful in entrepreneurship. I I wish, I feel like I want to ask the genie for three more wishes. Um, (laughs) You know, it's so funny because I don't think about myself as an entrepreneur, but I absolutely am. So I will say it would be great to be determined. You got to have that grit because you're going to get a million no's and you have to, you know, you have to keep going and find more creative ways. It would be great to be resourceful. And I think along with that goes creativity, you know, you have to kind of be creative to, to resource things and repurpose things. And, and I think you have to be emotionally aware (laughs) Because in order to get people to want to work with you and to think of you as somebody that they would refer and to, to be able to hear people and be able to understand their needs and to be able to really understand what people are asking for or to kind of read rooms, you, you can't, you can't own, you have to be self-aware. You have, you know, you have to have done some kind of work. I feel like. Interesting. I haven't, um, I've asked the question a lot and I haven't heard that response being emotionally aware and self-aware and, and that is a really, really important skill. Well, I mean, I just think like you can easily be like in control of a room, but everybody can listen to you, but how much do they want to work for you? Mm, Yeah. Really good point. Really, really good. I hope you guys are paying attention and taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) This is some good stuff. (laughs) Lisa, if you had a superpower, well, I know you have a superpower. You have many superpowers. Name one and how has it helped you on this journey? Uh, The first thing that comes to my mind is that I can take great pictures of your pets. Ah. (laughs) And there's nothing that endears me faster to anyone than taking an amazing picture of their pet and sending it to them. 
people don't know how to take good pictures of their pets. And that's crazy. I mean, I guess it's because I take a million pictures of my pets, so I know what works. Yeah. And I, I, I'm Midwestern. I already love your pet before I've even met it. So, uh, I feel like that's my superpower is pets. Um, I talk to and for your pet. I talk to every animal I meet. They all have their own voice. I take great pictures of them and give them to their people. And I mean, if you brought your dog to us, so I'm in Hollywood. It's a very dog culture. There's always a dog in the office. And if I meet your dog and take an amazing picture and send it to you, you're kind of going to like me. (laughs) But that's not why I do it. I just do it because I'm great at it. Um, so I, I'm going to say that's my superpower. Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, man. Take that all the way to the bank. Right? <laughs> all the way. What project are you most excited about that's on the horizon? So Bless This Mess just premiered on ABC on Tuesday night. It stars Dak Shepard and Lake Bell and Pam Greer and Ed Begley Jr. and Lennon Parham and Dave Keckner. It's an amazing show. It's a, uh, it's a amazing comedy and, um, the word is out. So I get to say it now that, uh, I'm guest starring on a couple episodes later in this, uh, early part of this season. There's six, six episodes that ABC picked up. So I'm super excited about that. Congratulations. That's thank you. Yes. Super. Oh my God. Everybody on set was just truly amazing. Oh, that's awesome. Oh my goodness. I had so much fun talking to you. I did too. Thank you. Yeah, no, so much fun. Um, what parting words of wisdom would you share with others that are maybe stuck in terms of what they want to do next in their life, or they're on a similar path as yours? What would you share with them? Oh boy. You know, keep your eyes on your own paper. It's so easy to compare yourself to other people, but it doesn't matter. So just keep your eyes on your own paper and keep working what you're working. (laughs) Super simple and very memorable. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I didn't create it. (laughs) It stuck with me because somebody else said it to me. Yeah, no, it's memorable and simple. I'm going to share that with my kids. For those of you that are just tuning in, we had the pleasure of speaking with Lisa Linky, and she is an actor, an improviser, a producer, a podcaster. I don't know what she's not doing. <laughs> and she absolutely loves pets. So if you cross paths with her, take a photo of your pet. Make me take a photo of your pet. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> and um, she is an amazing creative entrepreneur and a force in Hollywood. Make sure you check her out she's also in our spring edition volume 33 of rain magazine and rain is on a mission to uncover the next big names in fashion culture and technology our goal is to inspire millions worldwide and it was such a pleasure lisa having you today thank you so much for taking the time and we'll be checking out all of those wonderful projects that you mentioned with us today and good luck with everything that's to come Thank you. Can I leave you with one more thing that I absolutely forgot to mention that is technology and entrepreneur? (laughs) I can't believe it. So every Sunday on Instagram, I host a live free weekly um, improvised show called Suggestion Sunday Show. And so if you just tune into my Instagram from wherever you are, there's no cover charge. It's free. You don't have to stay 
until the end. You can just jump in and jump out. And I create characters. I have special guests and it's all improvised, all created. And it just lives there for 24 hours. And then the story, and then, you know, I save it when it's done and it lives on my story for 24 hours. I can't believe I forgot to talk about that. That's like the most exciting part of the, like, I'm really being an entrepreneur. I created this whole new thing. <laughs> and your handle is Lisa Linky. It's, it's Linky. I-T-S-L-I-N-K-E. But you can search the hashtag Suggestion Sunday show and find more about it. Okay. Suggestion Sundays. That sounds like a lot of fun as well. And uh, all the best on that new entrepreneurial venture amongst everything else you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So thanks again. And until next time, Lisa, we shall connect later.